We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me, my podcasting cousin from across the pond, Taylor Gang. Adam Taylor's in the building. What's going on, Adam? Yo, what's good, man? What's good? You still trying out different intros for me? Still still trying to figure it out. Still fine-tuning. That seems like that's going to be kind of our baseline, but I'm, I'm going to get it there. So we, we've, we've got, we're still going to be playing around with it a little bit. But today, we actually have a, a special guest joining us. So as we're recording, we're recording this on a Wednesday morning central time. And, you know, still living off the hangover of the Celtics just falling dismally flat on their face against the Washington Wizards in a game they much needed to have. But there still is a very big game that we wanted to preview coming up against the number one seeded Milwaukee Bucks. And so to help us do that, we have our Blue Wire brother in the building, Ty Windish from the Gyro, from the Hero Step, excuse me, not Gyro Step, the Hero Step, joining us here today on the podcast. What's going on, Ty? Not much. Uh, the, the different variations I've heard the podcast called, I, I just love it at this point. I, my, <laughs> my ruling is... However you say the food item where you're from, I'm fine with you saying the podcast name that way. Obviously, it's a, a, a pun, you know, the honest connection. Yeah. Anthanasis, um, of course, Yorgos Kalidzikis last year. We don't have to get into that right now. Um, but I, I have no preference. I say Eurostep. That's how most a lot of people from Wisconsin say it. But if you have a better way of pronouncing it, I have no issue. So, so, so being from Boston originally, I feel like this happens to me. Also, I live in Austin, Texas now, Ty, and I've been out here for about ten years. But I still go back to Boston pretty frequently, and I feel like for something like this, you know, I, I, I've the the correct pronunciation is is uh, Eurostep, right, or the Eurostep. Yeah. That's supposed to be what it actually is. But I feel like if I were to go to Boston and order this actual food item and I said that, they'd be like, dude, it's a fucking gyro. What are you talking about? <laughs> <It's a> gyro. <laughs> and so I and so I feel like every time I see the word, I get caught up. There's two parts of my brain, the correct pronunciation and the Boston pronunciation where you don't get beat up. Like those are the two, like <laughs> those are the two things that are kind of wrestling in my brain when I see that word. Yeah, so I'm gonna say this coming from Boston being literally the closest cousin to English people as possible, we would also say gy- gyro. 
Yeah, we, we would definitely say gyro. I, I go into Greek stores and order gyros all the time. Um, no I'm one jealous now. Me. It's it's not that close to lunchtime, but now I'm ready for lunch after hearing. I know hearing we're, you say that it's, we're, they're we're, so good, dude. I love a, a euro gyro. We can all agree they're tasty, at least. So yeah, we're all just getting hungry right now talking about <laughs> this. But but Ty, we're happy to have you on here, man. You know, unfortunately, like I said. Rough game for the Celtics against the Wizards. Really kind of took a little bit of the steam out of this matchup. However, still a big matchup because I think, in my opinion, these are still probably the two best teams in the NBA. So right now, as we're recording, it's a two-and-a-half game lead for the Bucks over the Celtics. The Bucks have a game against the Pacers later on tonight, so we'll know the result of that, whether it's going to be two- or three-game lead by the time the Celtics and Bucks tip off on Thursday. But here's where I wanted to start, and there's a lot of different you know, topics I think we can kind of get to in this in this preview here. But last year, you know, at, at the end of the regular season, the Bucks passed up the final game of the year, let the Celtics basically just get their own win, and they took the two seed. The Bucks took the three seed. Some will say they were ducking the smoke of the Nets. I don't know. That's up to you to interpret how, how you want to look at it. But with Game 7 in the second round, ending up, in Boston and seemingly being for a series where home court didn't really seem to matter all that much. It did seem to play a factor in that one individual game when it really mattered has getting and securing home court been, been much more of a priority for the bucks this season. It's definitely been more of a priority. I still kind of, the funny thing is, you know, I think the real benefit of one this year is to get out of the two, three and know you'll probably have to see, for, from the Bucks' perspective, right, Philly and Boston. Now, Philly has a hard schedule. The Cavs lost, so that makes it difficult. There's been a little chatter about is Philly almost wanting to drop to four because they really don't want to see Boston. And I think they've played Milwaukee pretty well. I, I don't mind either matchup that much for the Bucks, but you know, I think the basketball gods tend to frown upon such things as maybe we saw with Milwaukee not going all out in that last game last season. Uh, who knows? Who can say? But I think you look at the series last year and and there's been a lot of people who have made the point you've made, Will, of, oh, you know, they lose game seven in Boston. Would it have been a different series? I think what people overlook is they had a lead in the fourth quarter of game six in Milwaukee. And I think the Bucks want the one seed more. They still want health more than they want the one seed. And I think, you know, Chris may not play against Indiana. Ingles may not play. I think Crowder's already out with some soreness hoping to see him against Boston because I think that's clearly a matchup where that w- switchy wing defense is super valuable, more so than Indiana, as good as Jordan War has played against the Bucs uh, since they traded him. But um, I-, I think they want it more, but I think it's really about, you know, the home court is great. They obviously want that, being able to can get that game seven potentially and five serve at any round, including the finals, is a huge deal. But I think, you know, they, they may have learned from, Last year, Celtics in round two, you don't get to the conference finals. And I think Milwaukee does get there if they see any other team, right? And the year before that, they got through. But Brooklyn in round two, oh my goodness, and could have been Philly in round three if they didn't lose to Atlanta. So I think it's as much about that pathway and seeing, you know, the Cavs are good, the Knicks are good, whatever, the Heat are good. That's fine. The Nets are there. (laughs) They're not good, but they're there. Um, Philly and Boston are on a different level. And if you can guarantee you only play one of those, assuming Philly stays at three, that I think is really the big deal. Um, But I think they they do want it, um, but I don't think it's make or break. We need game seven at home, especially after the championship year. They pretty rarely had home court in those series. 
So my biggest concern for the playoffs as well as obviously to, by the time everyone's listening to today's game is finding ways to score on you guys. Like I think that's been a huge like development for you this year. Last year, you you well, previous years, it's kind of been let them shoot freeze. We're going to take away the paint. We're going to grab the glass. This year, you're what fourth in defending freeze according to cleaning the glass, holding people to 35%. Yeah. The Celtics really, really, really struggle. And I was going to say suck, and you can you can implement either word you want there <laughs> when their threes don't drop, right? It affects every aspect of their game. Transition defense has been an issue all year. Like, have you has that defense held up when playing against some of the best teams in the league? Like, especially the perimeter defense. I think so. Um, it's been off and on. I mean, unfortunately, we the Bucks just have not really seen their their A unit play much at all. So there's almost always been someone out. I mean, a lot of it is Chris Middleton, who is certainly more of an offensive than defensive weapon, and same with Ingles. But, you know, those are more on the other side of the ball. They've missed those guys a lot this season. But I think certainly the, you know, it's really like, it's kind of ridiculous. Brooke Lopez, I think, turns 35 on April Fool's Day. So, you know, a mid-30s big man coming off spinal surgery last year. And I think their defense is possible because they're just like trusting him. They're, they're just they're saying anyone can be pushed toward Brook. We're not going to send help. He's going to be able to handle down low. We're going to stay home more. And you'll see during some of these games, especially the last I'd say two maybe three weeks. There's probably been three games where this has happened. Somebody comes to help Brook in the post, and he literally outwardly like overhead is like waving them back. Like, don't I got this? Don't do this. Stay home. And I think it's something Bucks fans have wanted to see. Like going back to the Raptors series in 2019 and certainly some Celtics series as well, you know, they were helping like one pass away on Kawhi all the time. And you look at those series, like Kawhi scored or that series, Kawhi scored a lot. We know it's Kawhi. He does that. It was really the, the shooting around Kawhi that killed the Bucks in that series. Like they did okay on Kawhi given he's going to score, but it, it wasn't ridiculous, but his passing and the ball movement is really what did them in. So this is, that is not a new issue. And yeah, I do think it's been great to see them kind of take it away. But I do think so much of it relies on Lopez down low. And that's why Boston, I think, is, you know, I think they're the second, they're one of the best teams as well, but also one of the hardest matchups because Al Horford and maybe not as much this year, Grant Williams, but, you know, those bigs can space the floor more, even Muscala a bit, and make it a little harder for Lopez to dominate, which is why I'm really eager to see if he plays, you know, does Missoula continue to kind of, almost like stagger Robert Williams with Lopez to make it harder for Brooke to drop. Cause I do think, you know, despite the vertical spacing threat that time Lord gives having Brooke down low makes defense easier. Like anytime the bucks can keep Brooke in the paint, their defense is much harder to stop. Although now with Crowder and Giannis as that four or five combo, they do have a really great switchable unit as well. That can also take away those threes. So I, I think within that answer, number one, Ty, you hit on a bunch of stuff that that I that I want to cover. Yeah, I talk a lot, my bad. No, no, it's all good. That was perfect. I was I was sitting here and I was, you know, as the host, I'm like, all right, which which point can I go to next? And there's like six of them that we came across in your in your answers right there. But you know, I think the, the part that I want to go to is like kind of the roster construction of each of these teams feels like they've been eyeballing each other. You talked about it for the Celtics. We're looking at Giannis and Brooke, and you know, how do we work in the Horford, the you know, Rob Williams, Grant Williams, Muscala can stretch the floor. What do we need to have? And then on the Bucks side, they're looking at it like, man, the Celtics have these two dynamic wings. And we know last year, obviously, with Middleton out, that was one of the probably the biggest difference maker, you know, in that series. And so now you have Middleton, you add Crowder, you add Ingles, you know, you have 
Grayson Allen, Condon, West Matthew. You have a whole bunch of rotation guys that you can use to kind of plug in there. But obviously the most important one is Chris Middleton, right? And so here's what I want to kind of figure out, Ty, is where is Chris Middleton at right now? What Chris Middleton are we getting? Because I know the record. I see every, you know, your guys show and every other, you know, Bucks, Bucks show out there as well as everyone talking about the record when Chris Middleton has been back. And it's great. So it's no doubt there's an impact. But the eye test, at least in the games that I've tuned into, it doesn't look like it's quite the same Chris Middleton on a consistent basis. You see glimpses of it. The stats certainly don't back it up that it's the same Chris Middleton. So what Chris Middleton are are we getting? Where is he at? Is he trending up? Tell us kind of what that journey with, with him is like right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I'd say right at the exact moment, and we'll see how Indiana looks. I don't think he's going to end up playing that Pacers game personally. There's only two back-to-backs left. Obviously, there's none in the playoffs. I think the Bucs would want him fresh for Boston. We'll see. Technically, he's questionable as we record this on Wednesday morning. I, I think he's trending up. He had a very good game against Detroit. And yes, it is the Pistons, but it was the kind of Chris Middleton shot making that it's like, it does, like he, he, Chris Middleton is like a, a guarded shot maker, right? Like he's not a guy who's going to get wide open a lot. He just makes shots anyway. He, he makes tough down. shots, man. He yeah. does not get a lot of space. And the shots no. he hit are, are he hits are super, usually pretty highly contested, which makes it even more impressive the level that he's gotten himself to. Exactly. Well, yeah, he's just not, you know, he doesn't have a crazy handle. Uh, maybe crazy sometimes, not in the good way. He doesn't have a, a you know, a top level handle. Um, and he's not a, a top level athlete, although he has gotten to the rim a little bit more lately, which is also good to see. And, you know, something we've talked about is, 
Chris has gotten a little slower, I think, with age and with the injuries. So him playing up more is a big deal. I mean, he's 6'8", having him play more like a 6'8 guy on both ends, I think is a big deal for him and for the Bucs. So he's gotten to the rim a little bit more. He's finished there. The shot making is starting to look crisper. Um, and, and I think it's not every game, but it's a little hard to parse because like peak prime Chris Middleton, also a fairly inconsistent player, just kind of comes with the territory of Chris Middleton. And, and you know, basically the Bucks setup is like the super duper star and then a pair of co-stars and they all kind of pick each other up and guys like Brooke do, do a lot in there as well. So, you know, I mean, I, I think back all the time to like the finals and Chris and Drew, I think it was like game two in Phoenix and both of them were pretty bad and they, you know, they were pretty much chill after the game. And I remember at the time myself and a lot of Bucks fans much more so were really upset about this. And we got like three out of the next four games or Chris Middleton masterclasses. So his inconsistency can be like you can attribute it to he doesn't look right or you can attribute it to this is kind of just Chris Middleton. But he has had some good moments, and I think it's been more good than bad since this second return, even though there are a couple quiet games in there. And overall, I feel pretty confident that by playoffs, he's going to be where we need. I think the Celtics game is a great test, though, to your listeners' chagrin. I mean, that's a matchup Chris has tended to really like and, and a team he's played really, really well against. So I think, you know, Bucks fans are hopeful they can see another big game from Chris against the Celtics uh, on Thursday. I mean, when you talk about inconsistencies, so anyone listening to this show is just going to be like, yep, that's Jason Tatum, it's James <laughs> It's the entire roster at this point. Um, one of the things that I always kind of enjoy watching against Milwaukee is Boston usually come into a game with like a perimeter def- defense advantage. You know, you've got Marcus Smart there, Derek White's a really good defender, Brogdon can hold his own. But then you come up against Milwaukee and Drew Holiday's there and it's kind of like, Wow, some days Drew might be a more fierce defender than Marcus and vice versa. How's And Drew's, I feel like, spoken about a lot less of whenever I listen to Milwaukee podcasts or like an NBA podcast. Drew seems to be the guy that kind of slips under the radar a lot out of that freak. So his whole career, I think he's been that guy. <laughs> yeah. How's this season been for you? Like, is he is he still a dog defensively? Is he still, uh, what is he hitting nearly 40% of his freeze? So he's definitely spacing the floor for you. Yeah, I think it's been an incredible year from Drew. Um, I'd say defensively, you know, it's like some player, like Giannis a lot this year has kind of saved some of his offense for the fourth quarter. Like he'll defer, 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 and then step up. Drew kind of has been doing that defensively more this season as he's picked up more offensive load. He'll about, I mean, he's not like he's having bad defensive, you know, for quarters. Like that's Drew's not built for that. But he'll have still these incredible defensive splash plays late in games. I mean, he had some... Always against Devin Booker. I don't know what Devin Booker did to Drew Holiday, but he's always got something for Devin late in the game. Um, some incredible, like, I just don't see that many players, and Smart's probably one of the few, who can have, like, game-breaking plays on defense regularly, especially at the perimeter. At the rim, sure, a bunch of blocks. Jaron Jackson, Brooke Lopez, you know, those kind of got Walker Kessler this year. Um, but Drew does it on the perimeter, still on a pretty regular basis. And I think he's still should be a guy who's up there and, and on first team all defense, even if Brooke is the Bucks DPOI candidate this year. I think offensively, though, he's stepped up and been a more consistent contributor with Chris out for so long. And Ingles also missing early run. And Ingles was really has been kind of a revelation offensively for this Bucks team that just didn't have as many creators. But I think he stepped up more. His actual three point percentage is down from the last two years, but the attempts are up. So I actually feel better about it. I think 
the fact that he's making more, it's kind of become a trend for Drew in Milwaukee to have all these makes in the regular season and in the playoffs, his three-point shooting slows down. So our, I guess, hope is, you know, we talk about Drew and his game a lot, is more attempts and maybe a little lower success rate, but just having to do it more and having to be a primary offensive option more should help him carry more of that into the playoffs when the Bucks still are going to need him on both ends in the postseason, although, of course, his defense means that, you know, his offense, it's it's not gravy, certainly. He is their, their third star, but he is such a two-way player that you can live if some games he is a little quieter offensively. But I think he's a huge reason that the Bucks were able to get that one seed and get through the tough first part of the season. And it was great to see him make All-Star this year after the long, decade-long uh, layoff for him. Yeah, first of all, Drew is fucking awesome. Love Drew Holiday. I'm such a big yeah. Drew Holiday fan, and I think he's going to be riding that fringes of that All NBA conversation. Like I you just, said, it was, I think it's just going to be too crowded. It's even a with tight guys numbers missing game. games. It's, it's, it's a tight numbers game, especially at that guard position, which is why yeah. we're on the Jalen Brown is a forward. Let's get it right campaign, yeah. which he actually is. So it's not even. It shouldn't even really be that much of a campaign. We especially literally start Marcus Smart, yeah. Derek White, and then right. Jalen Brown. Like if we're doing the traditional, which doesn't really exist anymore. He's he's in that three slots so yeah shouldn't be as much of a thing but uh you know just talking about drew holiday and his his impact i think last year in that celtics bucks series and that's what i think a lot of this comes back to right these two teams are like two heavyweight fighters kind of eyeing each other up looking at each other roster for roster kind of what's everybody's move is without middleton and without the depth that y'all have now holiday had to do so much more offensively that was kind of baked into the celtics game plan throughout the series is that he's not going to be able to hold up with this level of responsibility in the offensive end and that's where kind of getting back to a little bit about the depth that y'all have added i think both crowder and ingles ingles more so from an offensive perspective crowder from a defensive perspective have added a a new a new wrinkle to this bucks celtics type matchup right now and i know crowder has still you know still kind of working his way into whatever his role is going to be Ingles didn't come back until about midway through the season, but speak a little bit on just, you know, what is that big difference that Celtics fans can expect now that Ingles and Crowder are in the mix and there is this extra layer that goes deeper than just this West Matthews and Pat Connaughton level that you have guys like Ingles and Crowder who, from an overall skill standpoint, are going to be at least a little tick higher than what we saw last postseason. I'll start with Crowder because I think it's a little easier to – to I mean, Pat Connaughton had been really good. I think it was pretty good in Buck Celtics, but not not exemplary. But I think had some good moments and was probably one of the four best Bucks in that series. I mean, it's you know the the pickings get pretty slim after Giannis and Drew uh, with with all the injuries and everything. I, I think Crowder is coming in and maybe already has, although injuries and I think the Bucks not wanting to overtax him after not playing most of this year have limited his overall minutes so far. But I think he's kind of going to be like. Uh, a, just a better version of that Pat Connaughton, like a bigger player, a better defender. I think Pat is a fine positional defender, but he's like, you know, 6'6-ish, if that. Crowder is bigger, nastier, just a better defender, has great hands. Offensively, I think the role is also going to be pretty similar in terms of he can do everything. And I think so much of the conversation when the Bucks made that trade and the two months when they were rumored to make that trade before it happened, you know, the, the quick hit on it, right, was – Oh, his shooting is streaky. You know, is he going to be ready to play? Which the is he going to be ready to play is was a fair concern. He looks really good. I mean, they're they're limiting him as like a calf thing, but when he's out there, he looks quite good. He does not look rusty at all. The shooting, I just think 
he does a lot more offensively. He's probably one of the Bucks' two or three best entry passers already, and we've seen that come to fruition. Like if Giannis or Brooke has a mismatch, Crowder's really good about getting them the ball in a good spot and letting them cook. The shooting has been ridiculous. I mean, his shooting from two and three is due to regress. I should have knocked down. It's probably going to happen. He's going to be 0 for 10 against Boston now. But he's Don't also, worry. We're, we're used to the Crowder streakiness effect. Yeah, that's that's something that's both from the Celtics perspective and playing him in postseason yeah. series. We know how that works. So we're, yeah. we're familiar. So even baking that in, though, I think just the, the things he does for their offense, like he's been a really good passer. He's a good cutter. He gets to the rim more than some of these other players. I mean, I was remember looking pre-trade at the postseasons for him versus Grayson Allen last year. And obviously Allen struggled a lot versus Boston. To his credit, real quickly, he's had a great year and is playing more physical. The hope is he could hold up a little better, both because he's a little bit better now and because the Bucs need him to do a lot less. I mean, they were basically asking him to be mini Chris against a contender, which is just too much for Grayson Allen. But um, Crowder outscored him last year, even though he shot much worse from three, I believe. And over the over their playoff careers, that's been the case. Because like he gets to the rim more, he draws free throws. He's just a more all-around active participant on offense. So I think you just get another wing option and really a better wing option than any of their role players. I mean, obviously, Chris is the best wing option. Drew or Giannis, however you want to categorize them, they can guard wings too. Crowder, I think, then is like, okay, that's a great wing that we have for all of these teams, whether it's the Celtics, whether it's the Clippers, you know, those kind of matchups. And then Ingles is basically their backup point guard. I mean, he's, he's a wing player, but his role has been come in and create offense. And he's been great. You know, he and Brooke Lopez have a really good pick and roll synergy, and that's become a great play for Milwaukee, which is, you guys know, a team that typically if Giannis and Chris aren't on the court, offense just is difficult. Like they really were struggling. It was squeezing blood from a stone to get points. Ingles greases the wheels a lot and makes a lot of players look better, Brooke included, and that's been a really successful pairing. And also when he's out there with the primary guys, the ball movement is just great, and the offensive zip is really there. And I think you look at the Bucks when their offense turned, yes, when Chris came back too, but just like post-Ingles return, with Ingles on the court, their offense has been like really good most of the season. So I think it's a big deal for them. I don't think he would close that many games. Some fans want that. I think the defense with him and Chris starts to get a little shaky. But I think just getting through those, especially non-Giannis and non-Chris minutes, with that perimeter creation and shot making, he shot really well off the dribble this year, has been a huge deal to make those guys' lives easier. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I want to kind of turn the narrative around at this point. So we've looked at everything from a box standpoint and now I kind of want to see how you feel about the Celtics going into the game. So areas where you feel like Milwaukee might struggle. Are you gonna? Do you feel? Are you concerned about their perimeter shooting, or are you concerned about their wing depth? Or just anything from a Bucks perspective, where there's actually some form of concern going up against the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's so difficult because I feel like when I look at Boston, I think the hardest it is to beat the Celtics is when the ball is moving. So I think I'm going to look at rotations a lot because I know. You know, those, they have a lot of perimeter players who are gifted. It's not just the Jays. I mean, those are obviously the standouts, the all-NBA kind of guys. But, you know, Derek White, when it's like Derek White is kind of mind-boggling this year because I feel like when guys are out, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll just be a 20-point-per-game scorer on amazing efficiency. And it's like, oh, maybe you should maybe you should do a little bit more. I don't know. Um, smart is, is I feel like uh, even the, if the numbers don't bear this out, I always worry he's going to hit 10 threes against the Bucs. And, of course, <laughs> old friend Malcolm Brogdon. There's, there's just so much juice on the perimeter. And I think Milwaukee's best game plan against Boston is if they can if they can make guys shoot over versus opening up those extra passes. And I think that's a, a, a tendency I think Boston can lean into sometimes of, you know, especially Tatum and Brown trying to just, oh, I, I can just shoot over these guys. The Bucs welcome that, whether it's from three or mid-range, like not the open shots, but, you know, if you can beat our defenders, then you can beat our defenders and that's fine. I think Milwaukee gets in most trouble if they're overhelping, they're getting lost in rotations. And then, like, really, it's, it's you know, the stars are, you know, they're the straws that stir the drink. When the role players get hot, I think that's when the Bucks get in trouble against most any team, especially Boston. So I want to be looking for how does the defense as a unit hold up? You know, I know Tatum may, may get 30, Brown may get 30. I think the biggest trouble is, oh, Hauser just got his fifth open three. Oh, Muscala just got his fourth open three. Derek White, whoever it may be. Um so I'm really going to look for the team defense construct and are they able to, as you mentioned earlier, Adam, this has been a focus for the Bucks all year. Can they continue taking away those open threes and especially when they're smaller, also those shots at the rim and just with the caliber of perimeter defender they have, make the Celtics beat their defenders versus finding those open looks. I think that's going to be huge all throughout this game and a potential playoff series. So how do Bucks fans view the matchup with the Celtics? Because I know from, from my perspective, we've played y'all in the postseason now, basically three out of the last five years. And it seems like at this point, you know, who knows what's going to happen. We saw what happened with Phoenix and Dallas last year when it felt like it was going to be Phoenix and Golden State in the conference finals. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like we're on a collision course for Bucks Celtics in the conference finals. We'll see if we get to that point. But it, it feels like, you know, at least from my perspective, while I think the Bucks are definitely the odds on title favorites at, uh, at this point, uh, it does feel like 
that you know the Celtics always play the Bucks pretty well. So what are the Bucks feelings on that matchup? Is this a rivalry? Is this something that they that they look forward to? Is this a game that they embrace or are they man, I hope the Celtics get upset at an earlier round? Um yeah, I mean I think not having to go through Boston would be great. I mean I, I think but um from the from that just the lens of, you know, the Bucks fans, most of all they want another championship. I mean clearly that's like it's going to change Giannis's trajectory and, you know, already looking at all time sort of conversations, all that stuff. And, and obviously that's the goal of playing the whole thing. Right. But I, I think it's just an excitement of the matchup, but not, not to say that Bucks fans think that it's easy to beat Boston or that it's, you know, that's going to be the outcome for sure. But I think, I think this is the, the series they want. And I think most years there is a series that Bucks fans go, we want to see the Bucks play that team in the playoffs, like whatever it is. You know, Bucks Warriors, people have wanted for a while just because I think there's some clear parallels there between kind of the core and riding it out and everything. If we get to rent KD for a couple of years, that'd be great as well. Um, let's really have that synergy. But I think the fans feel good. I mean, they know it's going to be a very hard series, right? Like Boston is that other team people look at up there for good reason. And I think they've shown they, they've had success before beating the Bucks. Their B team almost beat the Bucks in one of the more ridiculous games of the year. Um, but I definitely think there's an excitement. You know, I, I think most fans, as much as they want a championship, they also they want that that revenge opportunity, right? And and being able to, you know, all the Chris Middleton tweets that are gonna fly and everything else, right? And and what if and whatever else. Um, but I think there's a real excitement of hopefully that's the series we get. You know, beating Philly would be nice after Philly fans talk and talk and talk and can never make it far enough to see the Bucks. Um, but I, I think Boston, Milwaukee, Eastern Conference Finals to me is going to feel like maybe not even just for these two fan bases. I think just for like the NBA, that might be the the marquee series that we get as fun as the the West Hole bracket looks. So I would say excitement and, and just eager to prove that these two teams hopefully knock on wood at full strength, eager to prove that the Bucks can win that series. I was waiting for Will. Um, so the one thing, one thing we did last season, coming into the postseason, um, especially at the start of every series, and I kind of want to do it now, was we'd try and put together or figure out who we would have as the starting five if we amalgamated the two rosters. Right. So we're definitely going to do this when we inevitably face Milwaukee because I'm just that high on Boston making it to the finals. Call it stupidity. Um, so I'm wondering on the spot, what would be your starting five if the two rosters were put together? That's a great question. It's a great question. I mean, it's tough. I, I really, you know, the Milwaukee bias coming through, would love to throw Brooke in there just because I think that defense would be crazy. But I think you just have to go with the obvious Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Chris Middleton, whatever order, Giannis, right? Like, I mean, that it's too small probably to start, but I mean, that lineup is no one's beating that team. That's a ridiculous. That's, team. The, that's the best five lineup, right? That's you the just best take five. Your, it's boring. That's, yeah. That's the best five, but putting Giannis at the five is not crazy. I was wondering where you were going with the first. At first, I thought we were going to go just move Jalen to the two, have Giannis at the four. Tatum at the three, Giannis at the four, and then it's, you know, t take your pick of whichever dinosaur you want out of Brooke Lopez and Al yeah. Horford, and then you kind of put them in there. And I mean, that those are scary better too. lineup, truthfully, like actual it's, results wise. I mean, I think you can go either way. Like we said, with Middleton on the court, you also just have a crazy amount of shot making surrounding, yeah. you know, Giannis and everything else that goes into it. So 
that is a super interesting question to to kind of figure out. And I guess this this brings us to the last question here, and then we'll we'll get you out of here, Ty. You know, speaking of Giannis, somehow we've gone basically this entire podcast, and we haven't really been talking about Giannis. We haven't because he's just he's just he's he's literally Thanos. He's inevitable. We understand who he is. We understand what he's going to do. So let me pivot away from just Celtics and Bucks for a second here. It's all Jokic and Bead and Bead Jokic. This is Giannis just the real MVP, and everybody needs to get over it. I think so. I mean, you know, even even beyond just the which I think is a little short sighted, like. Just give it to the best player. We've never done that, and I get why we don't do that. I mean, if the best player and the and their team has an underwhelming season, then I don't think they should win MVP necessarily. But I think Giannis is the best player. I think he's gotten the Bucks to the best record. They win his games at a higher percentage than either the Sixers or Nuggets win Embiid or Jokic's games. He's still averaging. I mean, all the focus is on Embiid is I think leading the league in scoring and. We know what Jokic does offensively and what he's doing for the Nuggets and his own numbers as well. Giannis is still like, what is it, 30, 12, and five and a half. It's like stuff that hasn't been done for some Yeah, a real, real, real down year for Giannis. Yeah, quiet year. It's true shooting, though. It is below 60, <laughs> I think, still. So what, what does it even matter? Um, and they may win 60 games. And, and I really think we did a pod this week, like, is his MVP chance dead? I don't think it all the way is, but I think he needs – insane games against Boston and against Philly. And those are their next two games after this indie one. Please, Bucks, don't lose that indie game that we're all just totally <laughs> skipping over already mentally. Milwaukee, I mean, please, please pull a Boston. Please pull a Boston. <laughs> we beg of you. Well, it's, I mean, even if they did, it's, it all comes down to Thursday. I mean, that's yeah. with the tiebreaker at stake as well. It is really the one seed game. I know Boston fans, I think are already kind of thinking it's out of reach now. Bucks fans won't be comfortable until it's officially clinched if they lose that Celtics game because there's still too much of play. Um, but yeah, I think he should be the MVP. Obviously, I know I'm biased, but I mean, you look at what he does, how much he wrecks the league, how great the Bucks are, and of course, you know, oh, they have Brooke and they have Drew, and it's like, yeah, great teams have great players. James Harden is a phenomenal player. The Nuggets, okay, maybe not as much. Maybe maybe Jokic does have a great case. He's also played a lot more. But I think Giannis is great. I think he should win, especially if the Bucks do get these big wins against Philly and Boston this week to lock up the one seed. Yeah, it's a it's a big week for the MVP case for Giannis. Yeah. Uh, like you said, I think if he, if he ends up putting just stamp of approval on both of those games and dominates, it's going to be put him right back to the front of that MVP discussion. Uh, but either way, Ty, like you said, this is a big game. Really excited for Celtics Bucks coming up here on Thursday, and we appreciate you joining us here today to come break it all down, uh, Adam. Any, any usually this is Greg's spot here, but any any final thoughts you got, Adam, before we we wrap up this episode? It's a Celtics podcast, so I'm going to go with Celtics by three. I'm going to say it's comes Ooh, down oh, to a well, final possession. Can we get a prediction from you, Ty? This will this will drop Wednesday night, Thursday morning. So before oh, yeah. the game, what do you what do you got for us? Um, instead of Bucks in six, I'll just say Bucks by six. We'll just we'll just <laughs> keep it simple. Keeping it keeping it on brand. I do yeah, appreciate. I like that. I like that here. I got Celtics by five. So we'll okay. see what happens here. It's going to be an exciting game, Celtics Bucks. But that's going to do it for this edition of Green with Envy. As always, appreciate you guys for joining us. Ty, appreciate y'all stopping by. Y'all are going to hear some Black Sheep Optimists from Greg Manakis's band down here in Austin, Texas, on the way out. Peace, y'all.
How is it that they never seen the stars in your eyes? A glimpse of what I'm missing, think it is a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embody, that's what go with the flow I could sing a different song if I could not hit the notes You had me taking off when you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now, but I won't let go